0: EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at LifewayPastors.com.
1: Hi, and welcome to EST.
2: Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh, and this is the podcast for the established church by established church pastors. Today, we're talking about a topic that, you know, kind of got sent in to us through Twitter, and we love that when you do that. And we always reshare those if you haven't noticed that. So, send us your topics, send us your ideas. Today, this is going to be kind of an interesting unpacking of the polity of our churches. Strictly speaking, we can't strictly speak about this. Our churches are a different convolution of models and probably a lot like your church. We have people that don't even have the same polity within the denomination. So there's some of our listeners that aren't Baptist, and so they may have a, a, a bigger overarching polity that affects their local congregations. We're all Baptist, and so we have what's called autonomous churches or locally um, you know, self-governed churches. And so we're going to unpack this a little bit. I'm speaking from the point of view of an elder policy. Micah's going to kind of talk a little bit about the staff-led policy. And then, um, you know, Sam is um, a little bit – his church is a little stronger on the committees. But before we jump into all of that, Micah, Sam, how are you doing today?
3: I'm good, man. I've been listening to Christmas music this morning, Josh. I know you're not because you're a Grinch and uh, you run around the house saying bah humbug. But I've been listening to Christmas music. Christmas music? Yes.
4: It's not – I mean – 10, at the point of this recording under, it's not even halloween
3: we're under 10 mm-hmm. weeks to go man christmas season has arrived yeah. it's here
2: you have a problem i wouldn't say that i'm a grinch i'm also not a fairy so <laughs> those two things don't, i i don't i don't flutter around the house sprinkling little i do um, i do if you watch the movie <laughs>
3: elf i'm i'm that's me that's that that's me yeah. i'm that guy
2: I'm that way about the week of nope. Christmas. I, I like to keep all of my holidays in line. My favorite holiday is Halloween, oh. and then the other ones. It's the only one that doesn't make a mockery of our Lord and Savior, so I like that one quite a bit. I've, you know, the I, ones that I've been turn- consuming mass
4: amounts of candy corn. Well, got to, you know, so
3: I grew up in a pretty, you know, legalistic little environment, and I've never trick-or-treated mm-hmm. in my life. And so Halloween has always been, uh, you know, on the periphery for me. Plus, my birthday is three days before Halloween, so I, I never liked Halloween. Mm. It always sort of covered up my birthday.
2: I love Halloween. <coughs> I love the whole, like like, for the same argument a lot of people say about Christmas, I love the tradition, I love the cooler weather, I love the the kids and the candy Wait a minute, and don't the you live in dallas in
3: what, what cooler weather mm-hmm. that you're is this that you're speaking of
2: bro we had 46 degrees this morning when i ran so that's like the, the it can middle of winter here. for you you know what happens hey, down here when it hits? i'll admit that we don't have real winters if you admit you don't have a real state economy how about that <laughs> what are you talking about we don't have a real state economy <laughs> you know what you happens down here when it hits 46 Texas, degrees what? What, they what they cancel school? Yeah, exactly. school
4: When That's it hits right. forty six degrees down here,
3: <clears throat> I remember when we I remember we first moved to Nashville. Of course, we came from Kansas City, and uh, they said we're canceling school tomorrow for a snow day. And I still remember taking a picture of a tiny dusting of snow, and all you could see was one tiny dusting of snow in a small circle around one tree. That was all <laughs> I could find. But they canceled school that day because of snow.
2: Hey, it might and it <clears throat> snows a Welcome lot more in Nashville than it does in Dallas for sure.
3: It does. Well, they get about an inch or two of snow every year in Nashville. all I don't really know what we get.
2: It's not enough to measure. So let's talk about polity here. Now, I mean, before we dive into maybe the different aspects of it, and I don't exactly know why this was asked of us on um, Twitter, I guess just for us to discuss it. You know, what what would you guys say are some of the hang-ups? I know I've got a few hang-ups. When people, when pastors take a church and maybe they have a different polity than the church is currently in or... They look for churches. How how much weight do you guys put on polity? Uh, some. It,
3: it de- yeah, I mean, it depends on what you mean by weight. Do you mean how much practical weight do you put on? I mean, what's the pragmatic influence of polity, or what's the theological influence of polity? Because I have, I mean, I have some general theological convictions about mm-hmm. polity, but I, but I tend, I, I tend to think, and I'm about to make a few. You know, a few people mad. I, I tend to think we generally are a little bit more strict about something that the Bible is not as explicit about when it comes to mm-hmm. polity. I do think so. I have broad principles that I think govern polity for me from a theological perspective. I think there are a few things that God clearly gives in the New Testament as responsibilities of the congregation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to approve and affirm. Uh, church discipline is an example of that. Selection of leaders, Acts chapter uh, 6, you know, those are some of the examples. Um, I, I generally have a philosophy that there should be a plurality of pastors. I don't think they all have to be paid. They could be lay and paid both, but I generally have a conviction about plurality of pastors. But beyond that, I really don't think there's a whole lot of clear description or prescription, maybe is a better way of saying it, in the New Testament. Well, so, let
2: me ask you, Sam, would you go to a church that has, let's say, a, a completely different polity than the one that you prefer well let me ask you this first before you answer that do you have a preference of polity or conviction of polity um i
4: I, it's probably more preference i'm I'm with micah i have broad governing Mm -hmm. principles there i I believe in a plurality of leadership i I don't think the sole pastor model is 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 healthy um but at the same time you know you know i'm fine with committees i i would actually be fine with elders so long as there was some you know general you know guidelines there i for me, it's it's just more. I, I, I love the autonomy of mm-hmm. the local church. You know, I I'm Baptist in that way, <laughs> and uh, I think that every church needs a plurality of elders mm-hmm. or pastors. Um, be, beyond that, it, it gets a little sticky. I mean, it uh, you know, it, it it it's tough to say. As Micah said, you know, this is prescriptive for all churches. Um, so I, I think context has uh, a lot to do with it. His church, the, the history of the church, has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I moved West Bradenton to into a plurality of pastors and a plurality of leaders. But if, I, if we call them elders here, probably have some hangouts. Now, when you say um, a so plurality of, just, of pastors, are they equal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still the one who manages the staff. So I don't know that any church really has – I mean, there may be a handful out there that are, like, purely equal power mm-hmm. distribution – it's very hard to, to get to that point. It probably takes yeah. quite a bit of time. Um, but we did reshape the bylaws that says it's not just the lead pastor that mm-hmm. does everything. You know, there there are pastors, plural here, who lead the ministries and the discipleship processes of the church. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I'm, I'm all right with the broad. Uh, I, I would be okay with several different types of church government and mm-hmm. pastoring in the, those church governments. Um, My preference is probably leans more towards kind of a traditional Southern Baptist, you know, committee led Mm. church, um, just because that's what I'm used to. But I certainly would not be opposed to different forms of of church government.
3: Yeah, I would say the, the other thing I would say, Josh and Sam, is that I think is one of the most underrated practical realities of polity is the reality that regardless of your governance or polity, every church is congregational. In the sense that whether you vote with your hands, you vote with your mouth, or you vote with your wallet and your feet, every church is going to be governed by the dictates of the congregation to some degree. And I think sometimes we underestimate the reality of that. And sometimes, especially younger pastors walk in and think, well, I'm a pastor, I should have authority, I should be able to lead. I don't disagree with any of that. But if you do so without an awareness that you are there to, to lead by serving the people and that the people will... You know, the people are going to have their say, and, and by rights probably should to some degree. Um, if you don't understand that well, you're going to struggle to lead well regardless of your Absolutely.
2: polity. Yeah, I think for me, I have a conviction on the elder-led polity, uh, multiplicity of elders. I think that it is it is not, what I'll say, prescriptive in, bio, in the in the scriptures. It, it is descriptive for a purpose, much like our mode of baptism and, and those sort of things that are not necessarily spelled out. But there's definitely some policies that we can— pull from it I also have the same conviction on the Lord's Supper but that's a totally different argue, argument but
3: well and I would say here's the interesting thing Sam. Uh, Josh I think what you're saying about a plurality of elders is the same thing I just said about a plurality and the same thing Sam said about mm-hmm. plurality we, we may refer to them differently people ask me you know do you have elders at Brainerd and I say well yes we just don't Call them elders. We call them pastors because I'm, I think, convictionally, an elder is a pastor and a pastor is an elder. I mean, that's one of my theological convictions. You you can't have one without the other, right? They are so. We call them pastors, and we have a group of senior level pastors at our church who meet every week and determine the direction and leadership of the church. We call it our pastoral leadership team. But I think it's the same thing as you know Sam having a plurality of pastors who have. In in basic sense, they have equality. Uh, He's right. There is no church. Well, there's very few churches that have true equality all the way across the board. And it's the same thing as Mm -hmm. your elders. Yeah, and I think it is. And I think, by the way, even churches with a solo pastor model generally have that same thing. They just have four or five lay people who are gathering together either formally or informally, and they're setting the direction of the church. Now, the question there is, are they qualified or are they not qualified? But the truth of the matter is there's very few examples of churches that don't have a plurality of leadership. I think that the healthiest thing to do Is acknowledge that most churches If not all churches have a plurality Make sure you have biblical qualifications As to who that plurality is And that you have healthy relationships So that the plurality can work Mm -hmm. well together
2: I would also add though That I think that biblically The congregation needs to submit To that plurality's leadership And there are some churches That functionally do have A plurality of leadership However, they don't necessarily submit To all of the other people as the same And so in our church, um, which, again, is, we're, we're prefacing all of this by saying this is just, you know, the working out in local autonomous churches. But within our church, our congregation recognizes all three elders as elders or pastors, and we use those terms interchangeably, all three as equal pastors, all three, their collective authority is what we submit to as a, as a congregation. Whereas I feel like there's a lot of churches, especially now, it's cool to say that we're multiple pastor-led but the reality is, there's really just a solo pastor, and most of the church is not submitting to the rest of those pastors in the same way.
3: Well, and often in the environment when you have a solar past, solo past, solar pastor,
1: <laughs> dang <laughs> millennial. Sam, you're bald. You're
3: <laughs> Sam's bald. He's the solar pastor boldly. in our midst. Um, <laughs> in many instances where you have the solo pastor, you have one of two extremes. Either you have the CEO mm. pastor. Who is sort of unilaterally making decisions on their own? I think that's probably, in a general sense, that's unhealthy. But on the other extreme, you have the solo pastor that's sort of the small rural church where they don't really want a pastor, they just want mm-hmm. a preacher, somebody who's going to preach and visit them. But even in those environments, I think you still have a plurality of people who are leading. It's just right. not the pastor, it's a plurality of lay people. And again, leading,
2: whether or not they meet those biblical qualifications of an elder or a pastor. That's exactly and right. And so there's a lot of that. You know, is there any, as we're talking about this, Sam, is there any, Polity in which you would feel convictionally is wrong, a certain kind of polity that you just feel is not right. Well, yeah, I'm Protestant, so
4: I mean, there's the whole Catholic-Protestant divide that that's a bit problematic. So you me, mean like a um again you
2: know, the, the Episcopalian model yeah. or something like that.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to. I'm wanna not talking
2: bash, about the denomination. You know, I'm talking about the polity.
4: Yeah. I, I, I would have I would have issue with you know a more Catholic or Episcopalian model of of church government, uh, but here, here's the thing for me, um, you know if this is your number one issue coming in, then you know there's some serious issues with the church, right? Usually, I mean, I, if, if this is the big issue mm-hmm. for a church. There's there's, li- there's usually some major problems there, whether that's from the pastor's
2: perspective or from the congregation's perspective. Well, I, I um, think that one so of the I, things that we talk about in church revitalization is gaining control of the, uh, the decision-making process, whether that's—however well, you do that, you need to gain control of that very quickly and get that in the right hands. And so I think that it's a massive thing, especially with revitalization. One of the problems with unhealthy churches is that yeah. the wrong people are making the decisions.
3: Yeah, I would be careful to say gaining control. I would I would tend to say gaining influence because gaining control can be done in proper but often improper mm. ways. I think pastoral malpractice is a reality. I think there's a lot of pastoral malpractice that Very happens much. in the name. And, and this is where I agree with you, Josh, that the church should submit to the pastors, but I'm also careful about how I say that, and I want to couch what that means very carefully because there is a lot of pastoral malpractice where where pastors have mismanaged that responsibility um so i'd rather say gaining influence than i say gaining control so that's earning credibility Uh, but going back to your point is there a polity that 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 sam would simply not be willing to walk into Uh, there is i think there are two forms of polity to me one i've been a part of in the past one i haven't that would be problematic for me um One would be extreme congregationalism or just a pure democracy Mm -hmm. where every single decision is voted on, you know, amongst the whole crowd. The first church I served, that was our model when I first got there. I mean, we voted on light bulbs if we were going to put light bulbs in, you know, in the fellowship hall. Um, I think that's unhealthy because that that assumes there's no pastoral authority or responsibility, that leadership is not part of the pastoral role. On the other hand, I think elder rule, for me personally, would be a, 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 a posture or polity that I wouldn't mm-hmm. be comfortable with because I think, I think as much as extreme congregationalism or extreme, you know, pure democracy is a problematic model, I think no. Congregationalism is equally problematic I think the New Testament model shows the congregation Being given the authority And the responsibility to speak with the voice of God On, on some specific issues and, uh, and and eliminating that Completely would be troublesome to me
2: Yeah I think I think I cut you off yeah. Sam What were you going to say earlier?
4: Oh I, I, I don't really <laughs> have my thoughts That are worth much at all But uh, you know I would say I've just seen I, I used to be a little more uh, You know I, I used to be a little more forthright and a little more um, opinionated about polity. But, I, you know, the longer I've been in this church thing and leading congregations, the, the more I've just seen abuses mm-hmm. all over the place, right? I mean, I, I've seen elders just go sideways badly in churches, and it just ruin churches. And then I've seen churches that are even elder rule that do okay. I'm with Micah. I kind of have some issues there, but um, it's it's not a battle i'm looking you know i'm not like looking to fight that battle i've seen congregationalism work really well um it, even in my own churches you know and then i've seen it worked quite poorly uh so uh, it, it gets back to this old principle of you know the structure's important is important you certainly want to be biblical but at the same time it, it just depends on who's in leadership mm-hmm. i mean just totally depends on I, the people that are in those positions this is
3: an incredibly important uh, point sam i think this is why characters the number one I think requirement for church leadership. and I don't care where you're at, whether you're the senior pastor or you're the head of the personnel team or whatever the case might be. And I think this is why um, I think this is why you have pro- this I tell people all the time when I see church splits, I rarely see a church split over mm-hmm. theology. I generally see church splits when jerks get involved and they cover it with mm-hmm. theology. And uh, and so anyway, I, I think you're completely right. I mean, it, I, I, if we and this is why it's troublesome when you have a plurality of people who are leading the church who have not walked through a biblical process of qualification.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I mean, just we're you know, that, I guess the whole podcast is saying what we think and feel. And so my my thoughts and feelings on this is simply that for my church, if I'm influential in my church, I do have a conviction that I'm going to lead it toward a multiplicity of elders. There's going to be a clear divide between what we call elders, pastors, and deacon ministers. And so I make that very clear. We don't have a distinction. There's no tiered level of pastors. There's just pastors. And then there's ministers, etc. But for, you know, I don't have that conviction to push that upon other churches or other pastors because I feel like that's something within their guise that they're going to have to work out for themselves. But I think ultimately my my conviction is that i'm going whether it's prescriptive or descriptive i want to make it as biblically reflective as possible at the same time realizing people can go crazy with trying to be the first century church and you are within a culture which is another reason why i find this conversation so fascinating that i think oftentimes through the history of the church the the leadership of the church has reflected more of the leadership of the country than it has in really biblical thinking through I think for a long time in America churches particularly Baptist churches looked a lot like the United States government and they had an executive branch and then they had committees on one side and deacons on the other which kind of represented and also you know, yeah there balance was of three, power man it's there was about. a three kind of tiered system there it looked very much like that where it happened so are the deacons the judicial no, no, that that would oh, be the no. senior adult ladies class <laughs> Um, the the, uh, the deacons okay. are oh, okay. the senators, and the committees are the representatives, and that's just uh, that's oh just kind of how that fleshed this out. This is just derailed in a big way. That's exactly <laughs> how it looks, and it's exactly how it feels. And I think more recently, um, well, it's the deacons are judges, and everyone's doing what's right <laughs> in their own eyes, right? <laughs> I love that, our deacons. It, oh and I might be I
4: might I might be mixing but a few I think things up more there.
2: recently. the that shift has happened away from the united states government and more into a business model and so now you have ceo and you have a board of directors and it's couched a lot of time in elders but sometimes those elder the board of directors aren't even members of that church or local attenders of that church and so it's very much a ceo type of mentality or a business model which i just think is an observation not necessarily good nor bad
1: You've been listening to EST, a conversation about the established church, with our hosts Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We'll be back shortly after a brief message from our sponsors.
2: Hey, this is Josh. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk to you about one of our EST sponsors, Trained Up. As a pastor, you know that you need to train your volunteers. You also know that that is one of the hardest things possible to do trying to get their schedules in order, trying to get everybody to show up, planning and organizing the whole thing can take a lot of your pastoring time away from you. With this resource, Trained Up has not only cut the amount of training meetings in half, it's also significantly increased participation by up to 40%. And that's a win for everybody. Not to mention that Trained Up already has courses built in with just about every ministry area you can think of. So even if you don't know what to cover, they've got you covered. And now for a limited time only, Trained Up is offering a 50% discount on their multi-ministry package for two years. Go to TrainedUp.org to get started today.
1: Thank you to our sponsors who help further the mission of EST. If you'd like to partner with us and have us spotlight your ministry, go to ESTChurch.com for more information. Now, let's get back to the show.
4: Yeah. Okay. So I, I got to speak up about something that is uh, um, uh, you know that you, that you just kind of okay. spark something in my head. Um, these churches that have mm-hmm. outside boards, mm-hmm. I think is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think that's very very dangerous. That the the lead pastor or even the staff would be overseen by a board that is not part of that particular local body. I, I think that is ripe with danger, and uh, you know has actually there's pretty some pretty. You know,
2: prominent. Well, let me ask you this. Badly. Well, You said part of that local body. How does that work with campuses? Most of those times, those those leadership are not there or part of that local body.
4: Yeah, so <laughs> when I look at, you know, I, I have trouble with multi-site, say, across state lines, and I don't really have good biblical support mm-hmm. for that, you know, because multi-site's this very loose kind. concept, um, and I think a lot of people are Take a model and search for biblical support for that model, wh- whatever it may be, multi site or not. So I have trouble saying, you know, hey, that's wrong, biblically wrong or anti biblical. But, you know, if, you know, we're looking to potentially go multi site at West Bradenton, but I'm thinking in a very tight geographical, you know, uh, spot. I'm not thinking, you know, we're going to be planting sites in, say, Jacksonville or even Miami. Um, so, you know, multi site's not an issue for me because of the way I think mm-hmm. about multi-site. You know, I think it's more of a tight geography than a mm-hmm. broad geography. Um, but,
3: but I think this I, is one of the problems with, multi, with multi-site with in general. And I mean, all cards on the table, we're planning to launch our first major campus in the next 12 months. And uh, we're going to be sharing some some of those specifics with our church here in, the, in about six weeks. Um, they know that, that this is coming. But the problem is multi-site is too ambiguous of a mm-hmm. term. I mean, multi-site yep. just means multiple locations. But the polity, governance, practice, missiology, methodology among multi-site communities is as diverse as it is among autonomous congregations. So I don't think we can really say, you know, in multi-site, XYZ right. happens. Because I think there's too much ambiguity within, with respect to multi-site. So I think we could say, here's what we think is healthy within the context of multi-site. And, and so, Josh, to your point, like most of the time in multi site, I don't see XYZ. I, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. I, I think it just depends on who's doing it. I mean, do you have a local pastor who's preaching and who's leading the campus? Do you use video venue? Are you across state lines or na- international lines? I mean, Sam, I've seen churches with multiple campuses in like four different continents. Um, and, yeah, you know, and then, yeah, I've seen that too. Then you've got the online campus. And uh, there's so much diversity and ambiguity within campuses. I think the bigger question we have to ask is is what are healthy... And, and then, of course, there are those who you know would argue that campuses, period, are problematic. I've argued that in the past. And, uh, and my argument really stemmed more out of I think it's unwise more than it's an issue of sin. And I think there are instances and
4: times when, I mean, obviously... So pragmatism got the better of you. It did.
3: I mean, you know, I think there are times and places where it can be helpful... And there are times and places when it can be Mm -hmm. done poorly. The question is, are we doing it in a manner that's consistent with what we think is a biblical ecclesiology, biblical missiology, biblical theology, and and methodology? And... uh, and so, yeah, anyway, so I I kind of bristle a little bit at the idea that multi-site is because it's just not mm-hmm. anything. I mean, it's too, ambigu- too I ambiguous. I think
2: generally speaking, though, there's not but leadership I, on each of the campuses. But I'm with you that there can be ways to think through it. My only push is that we Wait think it. Wait a minute. Back,
3: back up just to, what, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say there's not leadership on each
2: campus? Well, I mean, generally speaking with campuses, and for those who are listening, I can't see Micah right now, so I can't even read his face. But the uh, <laughs> it's hard to have a conversation with <laughs> somebody. My video keeps yeah, shutting here. <laughs> great, but I can't see you. The um, I just generally speaking, and I think it's hard to argue against this, that nearly all campus not nearly all, a great majority of campus model, multi site model, there is not local representation of the in a real way. You can call it a campus pastor all you want to, but that's just another abuse of the word pastor. That's not an actual leader that sits at that board. There's a hierarchy, there's a there's leadership yeah, on the main campus.
3: I, I would push I would push back on you. I think you're talking about maybe some experience you have in a limited scope, but I mean, I see examples all over the like place where? where each local campus, well, family church would be a good example down in mm-hmm. South Florida with what Jimmy Scroggins is doing. By the way, their podcast, fantastic podcast. I believe it's a great it's, one for I hear established like, church just pastors. Like ours, it's pretty church, good. Church like ours, church for ours. the rest of it's, us. It's, check it out. It's <laughs> similar <laughs> to ours. It's called Church for the Rest of Us. But I listen to it every week. It's it one of a the podcasts one. I love, and Jimmy's Jimmy's a guy I love, and they have. You know, they have local preaching on every campus and they have um, local leadership on mm-hmm. every campus.
2: And collaborative sermon work. Collaborative I mean, sermon work. they all get very good. They, I mean, all the pastors. But I don't think that
4: that's
3: the yeah.
2: majority of those churches.
3: But, uh, but I, here's the problem. I, I think when you say, here's what I think the majority is, it, you're speaking out of anecdotal experience. There's not a whole lot of data out mm-hmm. there right now on it. I can name a bunch of examples like Jimmy's model. I mean, I can think of a, more than I can count examples like that across mm. the country. But I don't know that they're majority either. I, I would just say let's be careful saying this is what's true for multi-site. Mm.
2: Let me ask you all this. Do you feel there's a conviction? I've heard this multiple times from um, leaders, not local church leaders. Uh, do you feel that there's a problem with a pastor changing the polity of a church? Should a pastor go into a church and accept? Like is that something that you should accept? Should you fit to that polity or should you change it?
4: No, well, I, I changed it here in mm-hmm. West Bradenton, but I was mm-hmm. upfront about it. Um, I, I think as long as you're leading—I mean, th- should th- that gets back to the bigger overarching question. Should the pastor change anything? Um, yeah. I, and I think, of course, you're, you're constantly changing. You're constantly moving. You're constantly trying to help your church mm-hmm. become more biblical. So polity is—it's I mean, highly unlikely that any pastor is going to walk into a situation where he goes or she goes, depending on your, you know, theology there— um, this is the perfect polity, right? I mean, it, it, it's highly unlikely that you're anybody's going to walk into a situation where you go, "Okay, I'm I'm never mm-hmm. going to have to touch this." Um, so, I, I guess what you're really asking is degree mm-hmm. of change, you know? And if you're if you're you know a traditional Southern Baptist, and you, you know you go into a church that has a very traditional Southern Baptist 1950s kind of committee structure. And, and you, you kind of sneak in and then three years into it, you say, oh, by the way, we need to have elders and you blow it up. Well, shame on you. I mean, you, you knew better, but if you're, if, if you're upfront about it and, and like you, Josh, you say, I have some convictions. I'm going to lead us in this direction. I believe you did that Mm -hmm. at Saxey's Church. And, uh, um, I'd say that's very healthy. I think that's a good thing. So yeah, of course you're going to change the polity. Uh, Of course you are. If you're a pastor for 20 years at a place, it's just going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, but just if you know you're going to change it to great degrees early on, you really need to be upfront about that because you're likely to face some battles mm. along the way.
3: Yeah, I mean, think about what is leadership? Leadership is a series of change, right? Every bit of leadership is that. I mean, if leading is moving people from where they are to where they should be. So leading always requires change. Now... That doesn't mean it requires wholesale change Mm -hmm. all the time, but it does require change. So to Sam's point, of course, every pastor, if they've been there any length of time, is going to have influence on changing polity to some degree. It's just going to vary in degrees, and it's going to vary in levels of integrity and transparency with with respect to the Hmm. pastor.
2: I would push back on one thing. I don't think you need to be up front with everything that you plan to do, because I think a lot of times good pastors don't end up at churches because committees were told some boogeyman about... Something fill in the blank. It can be Calvinism. It can be uh, Polity. It can be these things. And so I don't necessarily think you need to like necessarily lay all the cards on the table for. And I would. I don't think that this is you know uh, you know uh, making less of a church. But a lot of times churches are ill informed or uninformed. And so. For a bad example, when I take my kids to the doctor, I don't necessarily tell them you're about to get a shot. I just say we're going to go see the doctor. Now they're going to get a shot, and I warn them at the point, and then we kind of teach them later. So I don't think all of that I did here, but I don't think necessarily you need to tell everybody because a lot of times it gets confusing. I'm going to push. It depends on the church, though. I mean, it it, again,
4: if the church is not going if you know they're not going to accept that change
2: you, you really need to think about i also why don't you think you need to there. change within the very i think you need to teach and disciple and lead over a period of time when it's right then you lead them towards that change i don't think you need to go in if you're planning on changing the polity or something big like that in the first week and a half then yeah you need to say it but if you're thinking this is my conviction eventually that's what I had eventually I'll get them to elder but that's not my I'm not worried about that right this moment. Eventually, we'll do that. And it took three years, but eventually we got to that. Yeah,
3: I, I still, I, I want to push back, I guess, push back just a little bit, Josh. I, I still would sort of, and, and I don't think you intend, intended for it to be this way, but it could be taken as if you were encouraging pastors to be intentionally deceptive at times. And, I, I mean, I would, I would be careful with that. I, I mean, I, I don't think you have to, you know, there, there's no way in any interview process you're going to say everything you believe about everything, right. You know, I mean, there's, there's, it's just no way for you to do that. But if you do believe some things that are in dramatic contrast to who the church is, where the church is at, where they're going, I think you need to at least indicate some of those things to them. Now, you need to indicate them and, and maybe teach them. You know, if, if they have an issue with eschatology, this is a good, this is a good example. The, the last church I was senior pastor at in, in Missouri, uh, in our doctrinal statement. It mandated a very specific version of eschatology, hmm. one that I can only guess what that may be. Yeah, I'm pretty confident you'll know exactly what it was. It's not one that I have I to even share. Know what eschatology? Were there,
4: were there charts? Were there charts and diagrams? The in theology Y-Long? of the end
3: times. Yeah, there were no charts involved. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, I said, uh, I just told him up front. I said, look. I mean, I, don't, I hope this is not a big deal. I'm not where you guys are. I think you guys are perfectly fine to be there. I think you're arguing for an orthodox theology. I'm just not there. I'm not going to force everybody to believe what I believe. But you need to know this is the position I'm going to mm-hmm. teach from. And we had a, it was an elder led church, and one of the elders was in the meeting, and he said, "Oh, thank goodness," because I don't I don't agree with that either. <laughs> <laughs> and so we we were able to move forward. Um, but, I, you know, so I agree, Josh, in the sense that nobody in any interview is ever going to be able to say everything about everything. Mm. But if there's anything significant that the church believes or holds to and you don't, you've got to be honest with them about that. And even if you say, look, I'm not going to change this next year, but it is something that I'm probably going to talk about and I'm willing for us to consider it together. But, but I'm going to lead in this direction. I think you ought to at least make sure that you're that clear mm. with them about it. Yeah,
2: I just don't think you need to go in the first interview and be like, look, I'm going to blow this thing up. And we're going to have well, alcohol yeah, I, and I mean, elders and tattoos and, you know. All, it's just eventually you're derailing. Because all three of those yeah, things go together. Uh, yeah, according say, to enough people about in Louisiana, Dristil, they so do. So moving on. <laughs> um, so, or is it Alabama? Alabama think they do. Um, so I think that, you know, you you just need to kind of um, be careful. Be, you know, wise as serpents and harmless like doves.
3: Well, I mean, I think part of this, again, I think a lot of this is not so much... I want to be careful I say this. It's not so much what you believe, it's how you say mm. it
2: and how you believe Most of it. pastoring is that. Right?
3: So, that, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, and, and this is my point, though. Most church breakdowns don't happen over theology. They happen over right. jerks. And so w- what you're describing sounds a lot like to me like a jerk walking into mm. an interview or maybe an overconfident, immature leader walking into an interview.
2: Well, the I way mean, it's been pitched with some is that that's, the, that's the, uh, the integrity way to do it. So you literally start your interview off and go, look, I have a conviction about elders. I have, I am not teetotal. And you go through these things and you say that. And what I always say is you don't have to put all that out on the table right at the beginning because they may have misunderstandings on those things. Or y'all are using the same term but using it completely different. And so I I say, you know, y'all need to talk about the inerrancy of Scripture. You need to talk about what their faith statement says and then if you can agree with that you can lead that church towards better days
4: and, and you know, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit for anybody I, I, but if there is a list that uh, some search committee or some board of elders has and you're you're the one interviewing and there's some things on that list and like you guys are really diametrically opposed and you're both quite opinionated mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw this out there and say that might not <laughs> be the church for you yeah. that's right I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, like, if if you're both very opinionated and you're polar, polar ends of the the spe- theological spectrum, it, it it might be God telling you, uh, prob- mm-hmm. probably not the place for you to be. Um, but again, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit for anybody because certainly you could go to that church and enact mm-hmm. change slowly and see good Love things happen. People. But well, you know, I. I I, and love the people, but I'd be quite scared personally if I was like if I was <clears throat> convictional about the inerrancy of Scripture, which I am, and then the church was yeah. the opposite. Like, no, we are convictional that it is and inerrant. I mean, you're just that's gonna have the whole one lot thing that I say. That. Look,
2: if it's not, if they don't have a view of Scripture that's high, then don't go there. Everything else can be kind of worked out. We'll we'll let we'll let Sam finish by being the Holy Spirit, and that's all the time we have for today. We are so thankful that you are listening to EST. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us. We'll catch you next week.
1: You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.
0: Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu and come check. Check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.